Well, hey, everybody, and it is uh, great to be here with you. My name is Jay Jones. I'm the executive of Ministries here, and uh, just going to be happier to be here with you today here at Barker with all of you, uh, everybody joining us online. Thanks for logging in, clicking in, whatever in, uh, linking in, uh, joining us. So glad that you're joining us as well. Also want to send out some special greetings to our uh, folks over at Riverside. Um, you know, it's been exciting to see that uh, congregation get started and launch out. Uh, next Sunday is going to be their two-month birthday, and um, they're running uh, 270 people last week. So, yeah, 270 people last week. More than that, they actually have had three baptisms already, and so that's been super exciting. Uh, it's just awesome to see what God's doing on the uh, north of Spokane, and the fact that we all get to be a part of it. Now, we just wrapped up a series, a great series. Dan and, and Kelly both did a great job bringing these messages on God and sexuality, and if you missed it, uh, go on our website, check it out. Really, the probably the best I've ever heard uh, communicated about those challenging subjects, and, and people were really eager to hear what the Bible had to say and what God had to say and how do we address these things, and so they wanted to be here and they wanted to hear about it, and, and uh, tough subjects, but, but things we all wanted to listen to, so we thought naturally we should follow that up with an equally riveting you know, series, something that everybody wants to hear about, which is generosity. Who doesn't want to come to church to hear about generosity, right? I mean, that's, that's what we live for. That's what we're passionate about. Well, I'm not sure that there's ever a great time, maybe not especially nowadays, um, because, uh, you know, the economy and housing and gas and the government and all these different things that are going on, it never quite feels like the right time to, uh, to talk about generosity. And so the question is, when is the right time? And the answer is, well, that kind of depends. I mean, if you're thinking about yourself, if you're thinking about your bank account and, and your goals and, and your ambitions and, and your life, then honestly, it's probably never, you know, never a good time to talk about generosity if that's your focus. But if you really want to focus in on what the Bible has to say about generosity and what God has to say about generosity and what God's calling us to and the life, the generous life that God's calling us to, then Honestly, every day is a great day to talk about generosity because this is a critical issue for all of us. Now, this is not a critical issue because the church is having a crisis. I want to be clear about that. Uh, we have, uh, I don't know if you think about them like this, but we have amazing elders and, and they give uh, lots of oversight to the church in a lot of different ways. One of those ways is financial oversight. So they guide and, and make the big decisions for the church to make sure we're kept on track, and they do a phenomenal job. I, in my role, I get to work very closely with them on a lot of those things. They do a phenomenal job on managing that and making sure that the church is well taken care of in that way. We also, we talk about this all the time, we have super generous and faithful people, all of you, that give regularly, and uh, more than that, we have a super generous and faithful God. This is his church. And he always makes sure that if he's going to give us a mission, if he's going to give us a vision, then that's going to be properly resourced. So it's not a crisis for the church. It's not critical for the church. It's critical for us. It's a critical issue in our lives and one that we're going to unpack today and in the weeks to come because we've got to realize if we're going to actually embrace this thing called, a, 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 called Christianity and a life in a relationship with God, then we've gotta understand what exactly that life means. And the first thing we're gonna to have to understand when it comes to wrapping our minds around the idea of living a generous life is that God intends for generosity not to be something that you do. Rather, it's supposed to be who you are. Now, we tend to talk about generosity in the wrong ways often. It's 
It's kind of our default. We talk about being generous as a moment in time or being generous as an action we take. Oh, that guy was really generous when he helped out this person in this one instance or in this one time. And so we think of it as a moment in time. We think of it as an action. We think of it as a response to a need. But that's not what the Bible defines it as. It actually defines it more as a character trait. As a human being, it's a, it's a part of who we are, a, a state of being, a, a consistent practice that we have. And the Bible tells us, and it gives us an example of this, in the image of God in God himself, and we're gonna see how this unfolds because God is a generous God, but the Bible tells us that we are made in the image of God. Now, that's no small claim, uh, but the Bible is absolutely clear about this. Uh, you may have heard about that before. You may not have, but the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Look at Genesis chapter one, verses 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Isn't that an interesting passage? Two verses, five different times, technically six different times, the Bible makes it clear, God makes it clear to us that we are made in his image. He wants us to get this point, without a doubt. Uh, he wants that to be clear. He starts off, he says, look, hey, let's make human beings our image. Now, if you don't know what that means, he defines it, to be like us. That, that's what I mean by in our image. They're going to be like us. So then he tells kind of a little bit about what we're gonna do, and then he goes on and actually goes ahead with it. So God created human beings in his image, right? Third time there. And just in case he does a little Yoda talk, he reverses the words, and he says, in the image of God, he created them, right? Uh, you know, four different times. And then the last one, we've been talking about that in terms of gender and some different things, so it's clear the Bible's making a point that God created the male gender and the female gender, but it's also making a point of this, that both the male gender and the female gender were both made in the image of God. So it's technically the, five, the fifth and even the sixth time the Bible's making it perfectly clear that each and every one of us, regardless of gender, is made in the image of God. Now, folks, it's not like God didn't have other options, right? I mean, it's not like he's, he's gotten to this point in creation and he's like, okay, Gabriel, I'm exhausted. I mean, this has been a lot. I've had to make heavens and earth. I, I had to make an ocean. Do you know how many different fish I had to think of for the ocean? And then I had made land and there's plants and animals on the land. I mean, I, how many things? I, I just cannot think of one. You got any good ideas? What, I gotta make these things. I, I don't know what to make them. I'll just make them in my image. I got, I got nothing left. I'll just make them in my image. I don't know. Folks, God created our entire universe out of nothing. Clearly, he had enough creativity. And what we see is God is very specific. He's very purposeful in everything he's doing in creation, right? All the way up into the point that he creates us. So he's very purposeful in how he creates us. But he had all kinds of other options. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have made us far more lovable, like a dog, right? I mean, who doesn't love a dog? I mean, they're much more lovable than human beings. He could have made us that way, but he didn't. Said he chose to make us fully and completely in his image. And then he made sure, and this is what's really interesting to me, and then he made sure that the Bible was absolutely clear on that point. 
and equally clear that nothing else in all of creation is given that special distinction. Nothing else, only human beings, which begs the question, why? I mean, is God trying to give us a big ego? You know, is he worried about our self-esteem? Wants to make sure that we feel good about ourselves and, and how we were created? Uh, or could possibly be, maybe there's another reason, and that is that actually God is our creator, and as our creator, God understands us. And as our creator who understands us, God understands that sometimes we're gonna struggle to understand ourselves. So right from the beginning, God makes it clear that by understanding our creator, by understanding the image of God in which we've been created, we, the creation, actually end up understanding ourselves. So we're then called to look at God himself, that we're made in this image, so what does that even mean? Well, there's lots of different characteristics we could talk about, but without a doubt, if you look throughout all of scripture, without a doubt, one of the primary characteristics of God is that God is generous. God is a generous God who has created generous people. Now, many people don't think about God that way, do we? Because we tend to think about what God doesn't do for us. And we tend to think about when God doesn't show up for us. You know, those times that we lift up in prayer and we're going, God, man, this relationship is broken. My, my husband or my wife or my kids or, or my extended family or, or just a good close friend, man, this relationship is broken, God, and I need you to intercede. I need your help, God. I need you to restore. I need you to help me reconcile this relationship. God, please, God, show up for this, show up for this, show up for this, and then he doesn't. And we're like, God, where were you? This, this, I, I, I begged you. I needed, the, I needed you to intercede here. And it didn't happen, God. Or I need this promotion, God. You know, this is my next step in my career. Or I need this for my family. Or, or I need whatever, God. Uh, please, God, please. I'm begging you, God. Give me this one thing. And then he doesn't show up for that or whatever it is. And time and time again, we get stuck in the cycle of, I'm gonna come to God and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask him for this and we can get stuck to the point that we think, well, God, well, maybe he's blessing other people, but he's certainly not blessing me. Because the bad things in life, the letdowns in life, they tend to shout at us while the good things in life tend to whisper. And so it tends to pull our attention and make us think, no, 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 God's not really there for me. But I wanna challenge you today I wanna challenge you with this one simple thought. God is generous with you every moment of every day beyond your comprehension in ways that you can't even conceive of. But even the things that, that we can conceive of, every moment of every day, God gives us the world that we live in, that God gives us life itself. He gives us each other. And he gave us a way back to him. You know, Romans says, well, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we all, we all mess up. That's not a one-time event. You realize that, right? That wasn't like three months ago I messed up. It's like three minutes ago when you were pulling into the parking lot and couldn't find a spot, right? That, that was that moment when God needed to forgive you and had to bring you, give you a way back to him. And the way back to him, oh, that was by giving his son. And then when his son, God himself in the flesh, came to earth, what did he do? Well, he went to a cross and gave his life also that we could be given forgiveness. And then once we are given forgiveness, then what happens? Well, we get the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit in our life, which opens up an entire can of, of generosity from God in and of itself. Because once the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, then he begins, uh, begins to give us things. He gives us intercession on our behalf. He gives us clarity. He gives us conviction. He gives us the fruit 
of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You know, all these things, they are the fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring into our life and developing in our life. And if that wasn't enough, then the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit also gives us these things called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are special talents or abilities that are given to you to serve God's kingdom, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your community, uh, just serving people in general. That we're given these spiritual gifts for that specific purpose. And then through all of that, that we're given this promise of eternal life in heaven within the presence of God because of the gifts that he has given us. Now, that's not even the exclusive list. That's the short list. But here's the simple truth, folks. You cannot understand God. You cannot understand the Bible. You cannot understand God's will for your life without understanding and accepting the generous nature of God. The fact that he gives to you every moment of every day. And when we begin to understand that, well, then we can begin to understand how he created us. See, if God is a generous God and we're supposed to reflect his image, then a big part of our purpose in our lives must be generosity. If that's the God who we serve, that's what we were created in, then it must be who we are. Look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're told he lived out perfect humanity. He came to earth and lived out perfect humanity. What was his purpose? What was his value while he was here on earth. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 tells us that. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life was marked in giving and in serving others. And if generosity is the core of Jesus' life and purpose in this world, then it probably needs to be one of the main characteristics of those who call themselves a follower of Jesus. Now, we don't need to look all the way back at Jesus. Let's just look at Genesis again. Let's look at us and how we were being created by God. So let's look again back to uh, Genesis chapter one. Now again, we don't have time to go through the whole creation story, but understand this. The creation story is unfolding, as I said, in very specific, very intentional ways. As a matter of fact, our own scientists today tell us that if just, just one thing was out of balance or done differently, our universe literally couldn't exist or, or life would not be possible here on earth. God's being very careful, very specific about how he is creating the world in which we live and in the universe in which our world exists, right? So he's being very specific about that, but more than that, he's being very specific about his design of how life and how his creation here on earth is supposed to function. It starts with the plants and the animals. Like I said, we don't have time to, to, to dig through all these passages, but if you're familiar with this, you'll recognize what I'm about to say. If not, Go back and read Genesis 1 and chapter 2 on your own this week. God creates the plants, he creates the animals, and he creates the fish in the sea, and he gives them a, a, a command, go be fruitful and multiply. I'm giving you life so that you can then produce life. I'm specifically creating you in a way that you can recreate yourself and produce life. I'm blessing you with life so that you can then go be a blessing to life and a blessing to all the rest of creation. He starts with the plants and the animals in, the, in that way, and then he continues on to give us the same charge. Let's look again at uh, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Now, last time we were looking at the part of the verse when he talked about us being created in his image, but there's another thing we kind of glazed by there in that first time we looked at it. It says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, 
Then here it is. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, this word reign here means different things to us nowadays than it did in the, what the Hebrew word is that we find in the Bible. When we think of reigning, we think of a king. We think of a king sitting on a throne someplace and being fed grapes. You know, everybody comes and kneels down before him and genuflects and all these kind of things. And it's just a position of authority. It's a position of power. In the Hebrew word, it's actually more of a service position. It's actually a high position, no doubt. He's making it clear that human beings are created at having first place over all of creation. But it's first place over all of creation for a purpose and for a reason. And the Hebrew word says, you're put in that first place to manage creation, to bring creation under control. That's literally what the word means. So you kind of bring all that together and that we are given first place over creation so that we can harness the potential of creation. What is the potential of creation? Well, God gives it life so that it might produce life. God blesses so that it might be a blessing. And don't miss it, those two thoughts are combined one and the same, okay? We tend to like to grab sentences out of the Bible. What we need to do is think in terms of paragraph, think in terms of thoughts all coming together. God's not talking about two different things in this one passage. As a matter of fact, this description that I just read about what we're doing here on earth is, remember, it's right in the middle of God talking about the image. So we're not saying that we're made in the image of God and then we're supposed to reign as separate things. No, 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 this is the same thought. God is telling us that they are not separate functions. They are one in the same. One writer wrote it this way. As God's image bearers in creation, we were intended to act as his representatives, we were designed in a very real way to show the world what God is like. So when God gave us the command to rule over the earth, the expectation was to do so in a way that reflects his character. It's one of the same. We are the image bearers of God, and we are to reign over creation with the character that God has placed within us. And so he then moves on to this second part to fully describe the fact that it's not just the plants and the animals that are given this command to go and produce life or to bless others, it's us as well. Matter of fact, you're gonna find this concept repeated throughout the scriptures, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, you'll find this same concept. God blesses in order for people to be a blessing. God's gonna give us something. We're supposed to literally partner with God and passing on that blessing to the world. Look at Genesis chapter one, just a few verses later, in verse 29, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say I give you fruits and plants. He says I've given you every seed-bearing fruit and plant. What was this point there? See, now, we like fruits and plants. We like to get stuff. We like birthdays, right? You remember your birthday? Most people don't. Most people like their birthday. Few people don't. I get it. 
But most people wake up in the morning and everybody's like, hey, man, happy birthday. It's your birthday. You get text messages. You get posts on Facebook talking about how everybody loves you. And you get to see how many likes you've got. And, man, I, people like me. And, and, you know, it's my birthday. And people ask me out to lunch. And then they get to, I get to pick whatever I'm going to have for dinner. And I get to watch whatever TV shows because it's my day. And then I sit there and they give me presents. Man, it's awesome. Birthdays are awesome. I get so much, and I get so much attention, and it's all about me. God doesn't love birthdays. God loves Christmas. Not now, but not, not the specific holidays. That's what I'm talking about. But Christmas, Christmas is everybody coming together to bless each other, right? I mean, even the meal, we all get to pick out certain parts that we want the most to make sure we get all the stuff that everybody in the family likes. And then you're, you're gonna get a bunch of gifts. You're gonna get blessed that day, but you're gonna give away a lot more gifts than you're going to receive on Christmas. We like birthdays. We like getting stuff. We like fruits and plants. God likes Christmas. God likes seeds. Because fruits and plants, they bless us. Seeds, they bless the next person. Seeds bless the next generation. And when we're generous to others, then we're living out that image of God. And we live out our purpose in the world and we're passing on whatever we've been given, folks. You don't have to be given a lot. You don't have to be wealthy. Just take whatever God has placed in your hand. Like Moses, you know, he took a staff and freed the nation of Israel because it's just what he had in his hand. But God asked, what do you got in your hand, Moses? Steve Allen's got a great talk on this. What do you have in your hand, Moses? And Moses goes and and. and Let's God use him to free the nation of Israel. Take whatever you've been given and use it to bless other people, to realize this simple and life-changing truth that God did not make you to be a receptacle. God made you to be a conduit. Receptacle receives things, right? You take things that holds things. A conduit takes it and passes it on. That's a simple truth. That's literally how you were created. From the very beginning, the Bible makes it perfectly clear. You are a blessing to become a blessing to others. With what? Well, with the things we talk about all the time. Kind of the three major categories of things we receive and the things that we can pass on to others, which is our time, our talents, and our treasures. Right? Those are the three big categories. Almost everything fits into that. Our time, our our talents, and our treasures that we can get in life and that we can bless other people in life. Now, I'm not gonna spend some time explaining all those things because, frankly, Dan did a phenomenal job about five weeks ago at the end of September covering those exact topics. If you didn't hear that message, go back on our website. You can pick up that message and listen to it. Instead, I just wanna share with you a life that is impacted, a life that has been and it continues to be impacted by people doing exactly what we've been talking about today, choosing to live the generous life by sharing their time and their talents and their treasures with a couple. And that couple happens to be me and my wife. See, I've been in ministry for about 35 years and uh, I've been, I had the privilege of serving uh, in some phenomenal churches, fantastic churches. God's just blessed us to be at. Um, but I'm gonna be honest with you, VRL's just someplace special. It's someplace different. And we talk about it all the time, the generous hearts and the generous nature of this church, but I can truly tell you that in 35 years of ministry, in 35 years, well, in life in general, my wife and I, we've never experienced or felt the love 
and the generosity uh, that we have from the people of VRL that we, and then we have over the last four weeks. Now, you see, earlier this year, my wife and I learned that she was gonna have to have three major surgeries. Uh, in the springtime, she had one and got through that and recovered. It was a couple-hour surgery. In the, uh, about four weeks ago, she had the second one, which was a three-hour surgery, and three weeks ago, she had an 11-hour surgery. Um, she had two full surgeons working on her as well as a full surgical assistant and a nurse and then, of course, everybody else that's in the operating room for 11 hours, they worked on her. Now, if you know Kathy or you're worried, she's doing really well. Uh, you know, she's had a tough recovery. We were promised and they're true to their word that she would have about six weeks of a hard recovery from this particular surgery. Um, she's about three weeks into it from that, from that second one or from a third surgery, and, uh, um, but she's doing pretty well. You know, pain is managed, but for the first few weeks, it was really tough, not gonna lie. Uh, and uh, she's, she was pretty much immobile, and all these things, I literally had to lift her in and out of her, out of her bed, all these kind of things, and uh, it's just been, been a crazy, crazy run, and pretty scary for us as well, but here's the point. The people of VRL showed up before, during and after that surgery, just this love on us and be generous to us and really be the presence of God to us. You know, people have given their time. Uh, it started off with uh, Scott Sparley had said, hey, Jay, wanna come pray with you and Kathy? And so can we set up a time? So the day before, he's coming over to our house. I live close by. And so I drove home, expected Scott to be, you know, waiting for me there. And um, instead, I found about, you know, three quarters of the staff who uh, came, away, came over to our house and just surrounded us and prayed over us and, and uh, just made sure that we were, you know, under God's care and that they just loved on us and were the presence of God to us in that day. And then the next morning, the next morning, the elders put together a, uh, um, a text thread, you know, with all of them combined, all the elders, and it was, oh, dark 30. It was like 5.30 in the morning when we got to the uh, hospital for 11 hours. And again, these are staff people that have jobs to do and are taking away their time. That are, they're gonna have to spend that time regardless, more time away from their families or whatever to come pray with us. Elders who are in their businesses going about with their families, taking their time to check in with me and support me. And they're constantly, every two hours, the nurse would come out and give me surgery updates, and they're like, okay, what's happening? What can we be praying for? What's next? How are things happening? And they'd be praying for things and just lifting me up and encouraging me through what was a really, really long day. Um, but it wasn't just prayers. Numerous ladies have come over. Like I said, Kathy was very immobilized um, for those, particularly the first two weeks, but she's not been able to leave the house, her, her literally, except to go uh, for post-op visits with a doctor. That's the only thing she's been permitted to leave the house on. So her whole world is our downstairs in our house right now, and she sleeps in a recliner, and that's it. She's stuck there. So these ladies have come over to our house to just sit with her and talk with her and laugh with her and encourage her and, and just give her a little bit of life outside of those walls and, frankly, life outside of me, um, which is always a good thing for Kathy. So, <laughs> um, but uh, they've just been a huge blessing to her. So it's not just time, people have also given their talents. I mean, folks, I, I, let me assure you, we have great cooks at VRL because uh, this has been crazy. It's been a crazy amount to go through on us and for us not to have to put together meals. Kathy can't. 
Um, I, one night, was going to bed, and I took my uh, watch, which tracks my steps, and I put it on the charger, and I noticed that that day I had walked 10,340 steps. I never left my house. I, and, that's just, and, and, and I thought, that's gotta be wrong. So I looked at the app, and that was pretty much what it was for all those days. Just constant, I mean, it was a tremendous amount. And again, Kathy's got the hard part. Let me be really clear about that. I'm just saying, having somebody make a meal, that is a gift from God. Uh, two ladies have come to our house to clean our house. Um, uh, one after two weeks, Kathy got it, you know, we got it cleaned up before the surgeries, and then two weeks later, a lady came, and two weeks after that, a different lady came. Again, that, let me tell you, that is a gift from God himself just to take care of that when we're trying to take care of everything else. A couple different ladies who have nursing skills said, hey, look, we'll come by and we'll provide nursing care for Kathy and whatever she needs. Uh, people have also been very generous to us uh, financially. Kathy's been given lots of gifts. Um, she's been given tons of flowers. For a while there, I thought we were uh, opening a florist shop because um, uh, she got, seemed like every time somebody came, they brought flowers for her, uh, which was awesome, and she loved it. Uh, she got some of her favorite drinks. She got some books uh, that she liked. One couple sent her bunny slippers. They just wanted her to have a little bit of fun, and so they sent her these awesome, by the way, she said, if I'm gonna go into this surgery, I want Christmas up, and so we put up Christmas in October because my wife told me to, and, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, but people have just, you know, been very generous to us in that way. They've sent Grubhub cards, DoorDash cards, you know, all these things just to make sure we're taking care of one couple because they understood, and actually Kathy was talking to the wife about, uh, she just felt bad about how much I was having to do. So they called me up and they said, hey, we got some Zag tickets for you. And so another lady came and sat with Kathy because I wasn't gonna leave her alone. And so she sat with Kathy and made sure she was taken care of so that I could call some of my friends and say, hey, I've got some Zag tickets, let's go catch the game. And it was a huge, refreshing time for me. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, cool, awesome, Jay, you're one of the pastors here, I get that, you know, they're gonna shower you with all this stuff. It's actually not the way it usually works. I've been in, told you, I've been in ministry a long time. This is the first time we've ever gone through anything in our life that we have been loved on and generously given like we have here at VRL because all of you, you get it. This church gets it. And my, my hope is that you want to be a part of that, that you can catch that same vision. Uh, you know, most of the time, everybody just, they think the pastors are taken care of. Oh, yeah, someone's going to pray with him for sure. Not, that does not always work that way. But we have experienced this because this church, because all of you get it, that, that when you begin to live your life as a conduit, Instead of as a receptacle, that's when you discover your purpose. That's when you discover your design. That's when you discover that you actually are made in the image of God and that you have the privilege and the honor of living out one of the main characteristics that we see all throughout Scripture of God himself, living a generous life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this congregation that has been such a huge blessing to us. But more than that, God, I thank you that this church gets it. They get the idea of a generous life. They get the idea of a generous God. They get the idea of, of what the purpose and plan and the design for our lives truly is. 
And so God, we just pray that we would live that out, that we would fully embrace what you have created us to be. And, uh, and God, that we would take whatever you've put in our hands and use that as, a, as an opportunity to bless somebody else. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. You know, what's most amazing to this, or about this whole thing, uh, and the experience that we've had over the last few weeks, is that it, it makes me want to live the generous life even more. I, I, I've seen the impact that generosity has on people. I've seen it firsthand. And my hope for you is that you would feel that same calling, that you would just, if you haven't already, take the opportunity to, to try that out, to take something, to bless other, somebody else with it and, and experience what it is to be the presence of God to somebody else. Or if you're already doing that, if you do that on a regular basis, that you would continue to receive that challenge to be, uh, to be the presence of God, to be the blessing of God. It's an opportunity that we all have to be known as living a generous life. My question for you simply is this, what are you known for? Let's, let's stay in the sink.